Welcome to Mindset, a guide to getting out of your own way and a blueprint for professional success. In this episode, Helen McCabe and Jamila Rizvi are back talking about times they've experienced self-doubt and how they challenge themselves to get to a point of self-belief. Helen, today we're talking about self-doubt and Shelley's already given us an idea of, of what self-doubt is and how it impacts us. But I wanted to start on the fact that although we're trying to get to a place of self-belief, self-doubt can be a good thing too, right? Well, yes, it gives us time to pause and reflect on what's happened in our lives and where we might like to go. Mm. And I think it's a universal feeling um, and if you don't have some of it, then that can be alarming for everyone around yeah. you. <laughs> um, and, you know, you and I have commented on people that we've jointly known from time to time that they have almost no self-doubt and it's admirable. Um, but it does make managing people with no self-doubt really difficult. Yeah. Well, if, you, if you've got literally no or very little self-doubt, what, what is the motivation to learn? If you think you know everything already and you're fine, then are you going to reflect on your experiences and where things went wrong and work out how you can do better? Or are you going to be a bit blind to that and a bit like, nah, I'm fine, it wasn't me, it was something else? That's right. And so as a manager of someone with no self-doubt, you almost give up because you don't see the point mm. in calling that meeting to say, hey, this went wrong last week, how do we fix it? Uh, because you know it's not going to land. Yeah. Um, so self-doubt is a bit like everything we're talking about in this series. A bit of it is is really helpful and what we're here to do is to help people tap into the good bits um, but not let it overcome you and move into an area where it's debilitating and crippling and you, you can't push forward um, when you're in a difficult set of circumstances. Have you, either yourself or people you're close to, have you had that experience of self-doubt that's held you back and where you can look back on it or look back on it for others in your lives and go, oh, wow, that really did have a negative impact. That wasn't keeping me safe. That was keeping me in a place I shouldn't have been. I don't think self-doubt something I have suffered a lot from. And I might even be in the category where a bit more of it might have been a good thing. <laughs> I um, I think back now on some of the things that I've done and gone, I just have no idea mm. how I pushed through to do that when I wasn't an expert or the best or, um, you know, particularly gifted at it. Um, so I think I was always raised with a fair amount of self-confidence and that has been really uh, helpful. Um, but I do look back now and wonder whether a bit more self-doubt would have been a good thing at times. Yeah, that's interesting. I think it's also interesting that you mention I was raised with, right? Because I do think so much of this is to do with our upbringing and whether or not we are instilled with a sense of self-belief and self-confidence from the, from when we're kids. And I think a lot of people do carry that through. And perhaps if you're someone who in your childhood and in your teen years you were not given a lot of self-belief and you were someone who was taught to doubt yourself. Maybe this is a point of reminder to say, even though I wasn't raised with that, didn't mean those doubts were true, didn't mean that I was any less capable than anyone else. And is it time to see if you can start cultivating a little bit more self-belief? Because that self-belief is worthy and that self-belief is is definitely due to you. Let's use it to your advantage. 
And I definitely think young girls and young women are um, subjected to all sorts of pressures pretty early in their life that undermine self-confidence yeah. and, so, and, and and tap into self-doubt. Um, and the the male masculine culture that you can find yourself in in your high school years, um, you know, all the way through to your early 20s when you're in bars, uh, et cetera, can really undermine if you yeah. find yourself in the wrong spot at the wrong time. You're being judged about your looks. Um, you're being you're being judged um, about where you come from. I mean, people will judge you for a whole range of um, things that are beyond your control and it can just start to eat away at a young woman and I see it so often. So it is this particular podcast episode is, is super important um, to me and I know to you too because it's something we see uh, – 40 years later in the yeah. job market um, and you see a woman whose self-confidence and self-belief has been knocked around from a very early age and um, it is hard to, to tap back into it, but I think you can. And uh, and I think it's really important that you mindfully try to tap back into it uh, in order to not continue to find yourself in that cycle where you are undermining your own potential. Mm. And sometimes that shows up as imposter syndrome, right? This idea that um, self-doubt is not something you're experiencing in moderation. It's something that really uh, is overtaking your life and it can become really chronic and debilitating and your self-doubt gets the better of you when you get to a place of imposter syndrome, Um, to a place where you think that even the things that you do in your life, your accomplishments, your work, uh, your skills, actually you don't deserve to be where you're at at the moment, um, that you're not entitled to what you've achieved and that one day someone is going to figure out that actually you shouldn't be there and is going to boot you out of the role or the position or the place or the organisation that you're you're working or, or um, connected to. And I, uh, we, we were saying just before we turned the mics on that imposter syndrome is something we've often associated with women but that the research shows is just as common amongst men. Absolutely. And um, in uh, another life, when I'm doing the leadership podcast, uh, I speak to a lot of experts who are career coaches who coach men and women, and they're very quick to say imposter syndrome um, is at the fore of very successful men. So uh, and I think it's worth mentioning just because um, it might help some women feel better about themselves if they know yeah. that really senior men are, are struggling with the, with the same the same issues. And there are ways that you can overcome imposter syndrome. So I'm going to give you a couple of quick tips before we move on to self-efficacy and self-belief. So the first one is that if you're feeling that imposter sense that, oh God, I can't possibly write that, or I can't possibly perform in that job, or I can't possibly take that promotion, um, or I can't possibly apply for that role because I'm not up to it. I don't have the skills or experience. Remind yourself that your imposter syndrome does not make you an imposter. It just means you've got something to address. Um, Go and find external validation. This is the time for your friends and family and colleagues or former colleagues to come to the fore and tell you how good you are. Uh, Because sometimes you do need that guidance and that validation of, of who you are and what you've achieved and that reminder. And then I really recommend letting past you do some of that 
validation as well. So on those days, uh, whether it's in your in your working life or in other parts of your life, you know, whether you're volunteering or involved in the community and you do receive a piece of really beautiful, positive feedback, save it to a folder in your emails and go back there and visit it when you're feeling that sense of imposter syndrome or keep a, a, a notepad open in your phone um, uh, where you can go back and go, oh, that's right. I remember there was that time Helen told me I did a really good job at this or there's that time that the principal at the school said we would never have organised the fate without you, you were incredible or there was that time that my um, former boss told me that actually uh, the way I thought about that particular problem, if we hadn't got to that way of thinking, we would never have solved it. So keep ways that will validate and push against that imposter feeling and remind you that actually you're someone who is absolutely worthy worthy of what's possible. All right, then let's recognise how to overcome uh, self-doubt and move forward, understanding the power of self-efficacy. So self-efficacy is a weird phrase, right? Like it's not one you hear very often. I think we tend to hear about things like self-belief or self-esteem, but this is a little bit different and I I actually think it's more impactful. So self-efficacy is your belief that you have the ability to achieve a goal. And so there's a bit of confidence in there about your ability to control your behavior and to be motivated and to influence others. Um, But it's a bit different to self-esteem in the sense that this is about your ability to succeed in a particular situation. It's not about how you value yourself and your own worth. It's separating your ability to do do the job and achieve something from who you are. And I think if you are you know, putting yourself out there and taking risks if you're looking for a new job or if you're trying for a promotion or you're taking on a project that you've never tried before. If you look at self-efficacy, that says to you, I believe I can do this and I'm going to have a go. But it also means that if you don't get there, if you miss out on the job, if you don't quite pull off the project the way you wanted to, that doesn't impact your self-esteem. That doesn't impact who you are as a person. You are still someone who is valuable and important and has a contribution to make. So it separates you from the project, if that makes sense. In 1998, a psychological study found that employees with high self-efficacy tended to set more challenging goals for themselves, persist longer in the face of obstacles and ultimately achieve higher levels of success. So this is a really good thing. Yeah, and I mean, who wouldn't want to hire that person, right? Like you and I look at that as as people who employ people and you go, yeah, I want someone who is persistent around obstacles. I want someone who's going to challenge themselves and I want someone who's going to succeed. Um, Similarly, there's been studies that have shown that um, self-efficacy is associated with academic achievement um, and students uh, achieving more of what they wanted to. It's also um, something that is used, uh, people with high self-efficacy are more likely to be able to overcome or change an addictive behaviour, including quitting smoking or improving their health through diet or exercise. So it's not to say that if you've got higher self-efficacy, you're not going to start smoking, but you're going to be someone who's more likely to be able to quit when you want to. So the behaviours to look out for are They develop a deeper interest in the activities in which they participate. They form a stronger sense of commitment to their interests and activities, uh, recover quickly from setbacks and disappointments, and view challenging problems as tasks to be mastered. I wish I was someone that did that. I wish there was like a complicated problem and I was able to go, I shall master this problem, (laughs) as opposed to going, oh, God, we've got a really big problem. Yeah, Well, exactly. I was about to say the same thing. And that just sounds too good to be true. 
I don't know, but I suppose that's what we're aiming for, right? That you can you can look at the problem as a as a challenge and something you believe that you're capable of solving, and usually that's where you try to get to after you've done you you cry and you scream and you're shouting into the void, right? So people with a weak sense of self-efficacy avoid challenging tasks or new opportunities, believe that difficult tasks and situations are beyond their capabilities, focus on personal failings and negative outcomes, and quickly lose confidence in personal abilities. How do we get to good? Yeah, well, there's a few different ways we can master this idea of self-efficacy. And the first one is just doing the thing and doing it well. (laughs) Um, The literature calls this mastery experiences, folks. But what it means is that if you think you're not good at job interviews and you do a job interview and you nail it and you get the job, that improves your self-efficacy because you go, look, I did it before. I think I could do it again. So as we get better at things, um, as we do them and we prove to ourselves what's possible, that can improve our self-efficacy. Social modelling really helps, which means witnessing other people, especially people who we feel some kind of kinship with or we feel are similar to us. I think we've all had those people, whether, you know, it was in your in your education or in your working life where you're like, oh, yeah, we're kind of similar. We're kind of good at similar stuff. If you see them being stretched and achieving something, it often creates a belief that you could do the same thing. And, I, you know, I know I've had that in my own working life. And, you know, sometimes it can show up as, as less admirable traits, right, like jealousy. But when you see someone who you think is similar to you achieving something, even if you do feel a little bit envious, you also are saying to yourself, yeah, I could. I could do that. I could do that. Absolutely, I could. And that can be really motivating. There's social persuasion, which is where you are persuaded by the encouragement of people whose opinions you trust. And then finally, we can build self-efficacy through our own responses and emotional reactions. So um, if you're someone who is experiencing really high levels of stress or um, you're feeling um, really emotional about a situation, it's going to be difficult to try and build self-efficacy when that's happening. So in summary, um, acknowledge the positive. Uh, Don't brush off compliments or dismiss your achievements as luck, which Jamila has written an entire book book about, um, not just lucky, and and that is something we try very hard at FW to do. Um, Talk to yourself positively. Speak to yourself as you would a best friend. Be supportive, kind and understanding. Be kind when you make a mistake. Jam, I feel like we should pause on that one because so many of our Jobs Academy members – so hard on themselves. Yes, and I one of the things I always notice in mentoring sessions, I almost wish I wish we could take them and show them back to people, is there'll be someone who completely berates themselves and talks themselves down during a mentoring session, and then I see them building someone else up and being so kind and so generous to someone else who's experiencing the same problem, and and you just want to say to them, if if only you could give yourself the same grace and the same kindness that you're giving this total stranger in a mentoring session, could you just be a bit kinder to yourself, a bit easier on yourself? Because uh, talking to yourself and reminding yourself how rubbish you are all the time, of course you're going to start to believe it. Yeah, they call it in other um, formats um, monkey brain, where your brain can't stop, you just go over and over again and you berate yourself and you're mean to yourself and um, it is wildly unhelpful. I I do think... In that circumstance, you do have to pull yourself out and go and find techniques to somehow short circuit that. And often it happens in the middle of the night. Um, But try and short circuit that process because if you let that process continue to drive your entire career life, um, you will forever be chasing your tail. So the monkey brain, um, be kind to yourself, stop the the negative thoughts, um, really super important for 
um, building self-efficacy. And on that, I think that the stop the negative thoughts is also a hard one, right? Because Very hard. you're like, well, how am I supposed to stop? I'm having all the thoughts. Um, and often I think what Helen just said there is really important is that even just stepping away from having the thought to observing the fact you're having the thought and going, interesting, situation X has caused me to start saying sentence Y to myself. Okay, that's interesting. Why have I jumped so quickly from that happening to me to thinking this about myself? And next time it happens, go, was there a similar thing that Caused, that caused me to do that? Was there a similar thing that pushed me into that thinking? Okay, that's interesting. I wonder why I did that. And I think even just asking yourself questions starts to make you a bit more self-aware and less inclined to just fall deep into that that self-hate. Yeah, don't give into it. Um, even if you are mindful enough to realise that it's going on and you pull yourself up and you stop and you consciously push them to, to one side, they're going to come back, right? Those thoughts come back. So got to stop again and you've got to keep stopping and you've got to keep working on stopping it because uh, until you do, it's going to control you. I want to recommend, and again, practice as I, as I, as I say, folks, not as I do, but we've got to stop comparing ourselves to other people. And it, it is really difficult to do that. Sometimes it does feel like you're on a you're on a racetrack, right? And you're all you've all ended up at a different point, and you feel like, but we all started at the same place. How did we end up here? But you just told us a minute ago that it can be good for you if you compare yourself to someone who's going well. Yes, that's true. I think it can be motivating. Yep. You've pulled me up. That's very true. I do think it can be motivating. But I think you're making But I also think you can start berating yourself with it. But that's right. You're making you're making different points. Yeah. And there's quite they're quite specific points. So rather than making a comparison to yourself that's negative, make a comparison to yourself that's positive. Let's go Yes, that's what I meant. That's what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we're a good combination. Um I think what Helen says is absolutely critical folks it's like you know when you're making that comparison see the possibilities for you as opposed to the frustration that someone else did something that you haven't been able to do yet um if you do need to do some self-reflection if you do need to do a bit of uh, you know looking back on what you've done or thinking about the fact that maybe you've made an error or you're not sure about something do it with someone you trust do it with someone who is going to hold you to account and not let you dwell on all the bad stuff but is going to be honest about your strengths um and honest about your areas for improvement uh plan for success um and set realistic goals and um when you hit one, set yourself a new one and just keep and keep moving up those goals. Jamila, I feel like before we end this particular episode, um, I should just ask you how you have managed um, to build your own self-efficacy because many people listening to this will go, very talented person, has had an incredible career, uh, but it's not always that way, is it? No, I, uh, God, absolutely not. Like I think we all have um, – areas of our lives and our working lives where we fall over. And I, you know, I had the experience um, about five or six years ago where I, how I look changed dramatically after being unwell. And I'd been doing a lot of television and I just was like, well, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm just not doing it anymore. Because the belief of being effective at being able to do that had been completely shattered. Now, you know, the smart people and sensible people will go, no, we're not we don't care about how you look. We were interested in what you were going to say. Well, sure. But a lot of people watch television with no sound and a lot of people, uh, especially people who don't like you, are going to be negative about how you look. That's the world we live in. It's something we're trying to change. But I think I grew so scared of that and my sense of self-belief had been so deeply eroded and then I just kept reinforcing it by not doing it. 
And because by not doing it, people stopped asking me to do it because I said no the last three times. And I took that as another sign of not being wanted. And so that negative self-talk and that erosion of self-belief got worse and worse and worse. And honestly, it was only by deciding to do it anyway and committing and saying, I'm going to just do it again and I'm going to force myself through the incredible discomfort of doing this and the incredibly deep dislike of doing this that I think I managed to redevelop that sense of efficacy because by doing it again, you know, it goes to that that idea I talked about before of the of the mastery experience, right? Once you've had the experience and you see that the sky didn't fall and actually it was quite good and someone says, well done, your brain starts to go, oh, okay, maybe it wouldn't be a disaster if I did that because I have this one single piece of evidence that tells me it was fine. And then if you do it again, then you've got two pieces of evidence that tell you actually it was fine. And I think it's been quite a slow and deliberate rebuilding of that to feel okay again. Thank you. Mindset is created by FW Jobs Academy with support from the Australian Government's Office for Women. FW champions gender equality in Australian workplaces through professional development, advocacy and community. If you'd like to know more, go to futurewomen.com or find out how to register for our Jobs Academy at jobsacademy.futurewomen.com.